Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Boop, boop. All aboard the Homo Sapiens Express. First stop... The theme tune. William, um, if you'll accompany me to the buffet carriage, what's this on our menu here? Well, the main course is the actor Alan Cumming. I haven't smoked for three days. Coming up to three days. Really? Mm. How come? Well... Nicorette patch. Yes. Other patches are available. Yes. Why have you got three round your neck, <laughs> four up your arm, two on your feet? One on my tongue. Yeah. And you're chewing um, Oh, one. no, no, no. This is just a little uh, a breath freshener I have. Three days apparently is the first hurdle to get over. So, so I'm almost over it. And um, why? Um, wh- wh- just get off my back, okay? <laughs> give us an A, give us an L, give us an A, give us an N. What does it smell? Alan Cumming is Coming up on this week's episode of Homo Sapiens, he's an actor, singer, author, activist. On TV, he's been everything from Take the High, Take the High Road to Frasier, The Good Wife. He's done many, many things, and he also did Cabaret playing the MC three times, and he won a Tony for it. I only got nominated for an Olivia. And he's about to star in a brand new American detective series playing a gay detective. It's the first ever network drama on American television to have a gay character as the lead. And like when it tested, the least popular part of my show is the is stuff about the gay content or the same-sex marriage. Why is that? Because they've never seen it before. Because they yeah, yeah, yeah. they're uncomfortable with it. Because so you, that's what you've got to do is expose people and m- make them not scared. Also, he's bisexual, and it was really interesting to talk about being bisexual because it is an underrepresented element of the LGBTQ plus spectrum of letters. B is for bisexual, uh, which I learned last week. Really? On loose women. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I just think he's really frank and open, and I just love people that don't have fear. And he's funny. Well, people get furious when they're for their therapist or tired or died. Like someone I know, their therapist, their therapist died, <laughs> and they were just incandescent with rage. I was like, he fucking died. And she's like, I know, but I was just in the middle of a really important breakthrough. He mainly lives in New York these days, being the international man of mystery that he is. But we caught up with him when he was at home in Scotland. Coming up, it's our chat with Alan Cumming. Coming up, get it? It's not often our surname is also the intro. Coming up. Oh God, I need a holiday from you. (laughs) What else have you done this week? Well... I've been locked away writing, so I have been on an odyssey of discovery of apps that make you not able to access things on your computer or your phone. There's oh. an app called Freedom, which locks off the internet for a set amount of time. And then you literally can't. <clears throat> I worked out how to crack it, though. Uh, did you really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, that's so So funny. if you do Alt Apple Escape, then you can just shut down the program from the inside. And I was like, who are we doing this for? I'm literally fucking myself and no one else. That is so funny. Can you block, like, shopping things? Yeah, yeah, you can make a list of websites you want to block. Right move. Now, I haven't blocked right move. Um, <laughs> I'm not an idiot. Did it help, then? It does really off? help. Did you get a lot of writing done? Well, I have been really inspired by last week's chat with Jack Munro about how much she used her smartphone and stuff. And actually, as we said on Home Sapiens Extra, she's now come off Twitter, which I really respect. You know, it's just trying to get a job done when you do something like writing. You... You've just got to be very, very... Um, Discipline, no? Discipline, that's the word. I actually bought this magazine called Discipline. To avoid like, writing. <laughs> yeah, but I stuck... Because it's, it's a pretty cover and it says Discipline at the top and I got it and I stuck it on my wall. I read a magazine this week. Can I go get it quickly? Yeah. It's called Pent it's called, something. It's called... 
It's called Garage Magazine. Oh, or, it's a really cool Garage Magazine. Or Garage. Mm. Um, but there's a really cool artist. Where is she? I'm going to... God, I feel so cultural suddenly. If people want to check out this artist... Now, I don't know how to say it. Bodice... Monet? Monet? <laughs> Bodice Isaac King Gelles. Mm-hmm. He just does these amazing models of surreal um, buildings. Um... It's very cool. Uh, now, talking of artists, I was talking to a friend, actually mm-hmm. our friend Camilla, who made the eggs last week. Oh, yeah. yeah I think God, she tried. Boy, did I puke that night. <laughs> <laughs> she was telling us about this comedian that she went to see. Mm-hmm. This comedian was talking about <laughs> Picasso and how we idolise certain people, but actually they were hideous people in real life, let's say. That's oh. her opinion. So Picasso had one of his lovers was a young girl. I think she was 17. And mm. apparently she ended up killing herself in the end. That was the thing. I thought, gosh, that's it. That is interesting. What do I read? Mm. That there's a exhibition. I think it's going to happen in the Tate, which is Picasso's, all his paintings on this girl. Mm. And I suddenly thought, God, I wonder if they put that in. Uh, you know, the artist and the muse. Yeah. Can be quite a weird relationship. Well, if they choose to make it weird, you know, it doesn't have to be. Exactly. Sort of. And I think we do idolise artists but actually fail to see the character mm. behind the art. But I thought that was interesting. Uh, I even thought about picketing, if it is true. Really? Well, yes, but then I realised I haven't got the time. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is how revolutions begin. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got time. It's <laughs> Queer Eye for a Straight Guy's on later. So can we talk about it? Yes. Queer Eye for a Straight Guy, it's back. It was a big thing when it came out the first time. It's about a group of gay men going to see a straight man and overhauling his life. And then this time around, I've only seen one episode. I'm hoping it's more a bit more inclusive this time. They go and see a gay man. One gay man, I know. Oh, really? So Mm. the gay men overhaul a gay man? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. But what I really thought was it is about inclusivity. But what it's actually about is sort of toxic masculinity, really. Deconstructing why that man they went to see in the first episode has got himself into the problem that he's got himself into. And a lot of it is stuff that he's put on himself. Like he said, you know, you can't fix ugly and things. And mm. and all the kind of bridges that you saw between him and the gay guys who were sorting him out. I thought that was amazing. I think there's something really interesting about it. Maybe if there was a show like that in Britain, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, I would like to sort of include, if it was LGBT people coming in, I'd like to yes. include people from every section of the LGBT community. I don't think it should be all gay men. No. And actually, so I guess, like, hearing you talk about the masculinity thing, I do think being feeling other, you perhaps have more access to one's emotions mm-hmm. than you do when you're railroaded by society into, I'm the woman, I'm the man, I'm we're both straight, we do this. Mm. So perhaps that's why they're more, they come in with more emotional intelligence and sensitivity. It's a shame, in a sense, maybe that they have to have a catchy title to get on TV. But I guess you can't say five emotionally aware men go and help men who aren't so emotionally aware. Mm, <laughs> Out. That was the working time. On at 9pm. I'm going to go and see a witch doctor. <laughs> Drop the keys. What? Yeah. Oh, I could, if I could jump across this rather nice French oak table, I would hug you. Yeah. But I can't. Apparently he's like this incredible witch doctor who is very interrogatory he's kind of a therapist i suppose but um really digs deep into your psyche how did you hear about him so through a friend who went to see um this witch doctor turned round a friend of a friend's life uh he was really ill and he went to see this witch doctor and everything changed so for the doubters among us who knows is he called a witch doctor yes yeah, so he's called a witch doctor which i don't know quite what that means um shaman is a shaman same thing Sad, i think so i think the two, the word shaman and the word witch doctor sound quite hocus pocus for want of a better description but it's not it's kind of straight up therapy right i think um i think so i mean they do a lot of things like by using sounds and and they're just people that i think are very good at reading into energies it's just another form of working out what's going on with someone mm. basically which yeah. we all can do yes. um so that's i don't think that's hocus pocusy and there's a wonderful documentary about that guy from new york who went out to see shamans in africa and he was diagnosed with schizophrenia personality disorder all these things he did six or nine months with them 
it's absolutely fine came back did university got a psychology degree like thriving have you seen that documentary it was kind of a tv show called the doctor with no drugs he set up this doctor's office where people who were having chronic problems would go and see him and he would do the non-medicine version so he'd say what what medication are you on take them off everything and then he there was a a woman who had chronic pain disorder. So she was always in pain. She didn't know why. She took all these tramadol, really heavy painkillers every day. And he got her to do Tai Chi. And within weeks, she turned her life around. Maybe I'll do Tai Chi. Have you ever done it? Yes, I have. I did it in treatment a lot. Tai Tai Chi Tom. Yeah. And I do it in rehearsals. Really? Yeah, Tai Chi and Qigong. And what's that? Well, they're both prepper, I I believe. Um, Certainly Tai Chi. We're preparatory forms for martial arts mm-hmm. so you do i know in chai chai i can't say it chai tchaikovsky um yeah. that you do preparatory moves that are designed to get you your body more relaxed more into the floor so then you can fight oh because the more relaxed you are as a martial artist the better you are which is why i am extremely proficient <laughs> which is why ah, I, almost got you <laughs> that's why i always like to have a bath before i'm incredibly violent <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm flexible. Steam rising off me. <laughs> yes. It's Twitter time. <laughs> what was the question? Oh, sugar. The question was, what's on your bucket list? Yeah. What are the things you would like to achieve in this life? What's on your bucket list? I think it's really important to travel because by traveling, you learn loads and there is so much to learn and it can be very easy to get caught up just being in your local neighborhood with your local friends listening to who have, people who have the same ideas as you how about you dry stone walling oh yeah we both want to open an antique shop and can we also can we turn people's houses over as well yeah do you mean burgling <laughs> can we ransack people's I really houses want to be a burglar i've never do you know what on my bucket list is burglary i have not done it have you <laughs> um, oh the outfit i'd go for the whole dry stone walling and doing something with owning an owl um, doing I, something with owning an owl Chewy Stewie says well I've done the main one but can't say what it is so next up is to go into space you've got to aim high well Stewie come on you've got to tell us what it is yeah I mean maybe he's Banksy <laughs> <laughs> would you go into space if you had the opportunity no bloody way why not I would get so claustrophobic no way in hell do you know less Sigourney Weaver's there than I'm interested? Oh, she's going. She's there. I'm totally going then because then I feel safe. Well, last time Sigourney Weaver went into space, it went so well. Oh, yes, that's true. <laughs> oh, yeah, she had a baby, didn't she? An alien baby. Would Do you go into space? Well, I would because of there's this thing called the overview effect. Have you heard of that? Anyone who goes into space has this complete epiphany of looking down on the Earth and realising what we're doing to it is so terrible because it kind of looks like if you look at all the city lights glowing over this beautiful green planet it almost looks like someone looking at cancer (gasps) or something spreading across and everybody who's done it understands what we're doing because we don't think enough about it and there's this amazing instagram account called daily overview which um tries to do the same thing by showing lots of pictures of the earth from above and our occupation of it and just how we can be here and be respectful of this planet if we want to continue to live on it Chris Tinson, I like that name, at Chris Tinson 3, for my partner to conquer his fear of flying so I can take him to Guadalupe. Isn't she a singer? Oh, that's Juelupe. Juelingo? Juelipe. Juelingo is a learning, an app you learn languages on. Yeah, um, Guadalupe's new single, New Rules, is great. <laughs> Good luck with that, Chris. Um, <laughs> doing stand-up comedy. Now that would be scary. thing about stand-up comedy is... What is amazing about it that is so invisible is it's like the most beautifully crafted thing passing itself off as off-the-cuff conversation. But what is it Jane Rivers said? Show me someone... It was, it was typically Jane Rivers and Harsh. Show me someone funny and I'll show you someone whose dad died when they were six. <laughs> it's just so... You know, because comedy like, is pain, right? And Well, th- yes. Like hmm. that comedian. Camilla! Yeah? What's the name of that comedian? Camilla's still here, by the way. Hasn't left yet. What's her name? Hannah Gadsby. Gadsby. Well, this comedian, Hannah Gadsby, who talks about being gay and our friend went to go and see, but she uses a lot of her pain Mm -hmm. and things that have happened to her, like she got beaten up at a bus stop 
because oh. she was look the, this boyfriend thought she was looking at his girlfriend oh. and no one came to help her really? really bad she's australian and apparently his friend said the show was amazing mm. but she doesn't want to do it anymore she said that i'm done with using my pain as comedy ah, that's but i thought apparently it was incredible so i think yeah that's what Joan Rivers said is very true. Um, I don't get this one. Michael Butler at Mike S. Butler 13. Yosemite. Yosemite. Oh, <laughs> Yosemite. I thought it was but like Marmite. Was, oh, right. Oh, Yosemite. To go and see some real life bears. Is he joking about bears, gay bears? Oh, and he's done a wink. Yes. You see, this is why I'm not on social media. <laughs> well, good luck, Michael, going to Yosemite. <laughs> It's time for our interview with the actor Alan Cumming. Don't you and Alan have something in common? And I'm not talking winkle pickers. <laughs> yes, we both played the MC in Cabaret three times. Thrice. And neither of us can give it up. My favourite bit is when he said, um, I can't quit you, Cabaret. <laughs> He's very funny. It's our chat with Alan Cumming. I'm about to go to do an episode of Doctor Who. I'm so excited. Are you? I've never been, yeah. Are you a baddie? Like a nice baddie. Like I'm, I'm like a sort of... I'm, I'm James the first, so I'm kind of like kind of you know dandy, foppy co- coward who kind of comes all right in the end. And he said he might come back. Oh, well, that's good. So when you do that, yeah, does that mean you could, let's say everything went wrong, yeah, you could just do Comic Con or whatever it's called for the yeah. rest of your life? Because I've done X Men and some other sci-fi things in the past. After X Men, you get asked to do all these crazy things, and I did mm. one. It was called Collector Mania. With the emphasis on the mania, I have really? to say. Yeah. And I did it, and guess who it was? Milton Keynes. Oh, amazing. But it was actually, you know, I got paid, you know, they flew me and Grant, my husband, over. And I was like, oh, I'll go and see my friends in London, it'd be lovely. I got, a, you know, a chunk of change, and you got paid in cash. Really? Which I love. Aretha Franklin. I love stuff. cash. It's yeah. totally. <laughs> and I did it, and it was in Milton Keynes, in the shopping mall in the centre of Milton Keynes. And it was a sort of a thing for lots of sci fi. There's like a hobbit next to me, and a Star Wars man. The original Uhura from Star Wars was there, that lady. It was like a massive sci-fi thing. And it was, I just felt like such a whore. Really? I really didn't enjoy it. And people like you would go, aisle number nine, Alan Cumming, X-Men. There's only 10 people at his line. It's a good time to go there now, please. And then, so the next day when it was finished, it was two days. And then you waited and got your um, cash. Mm. And then I went home to the hotel and I, I took my top off and put all the w- things of cash. Like a bank robber, you know, all the cash comes <laughs> in this little little bands and yeah. I put the cash all over me and I made Grant take a photo of me to remind myself never to do this again <laughs> really total whore. and I'm nothing against you know whoring is not um, but I just for me it just wasn't it wasn't a, I didn't feel good about myself mm. and so I've never done them again and I just think actually the idea that you can have that you have access to earning money just for being you just for going somewhere and be, like an appearance fee is such a hilarious notion mm. but you know sometimes I get paid to go to parties parties I probably would have gone to anyway do you get paid to go to parties? once in a while if it's a big thing and they want celebrities to go I'd rather they send cars for you to lure you to come or said they'll give you you know they'll see like sometimes it's just like car and makeup and hair you feel like Paris Hilton <laughs> we have a made. lot in common yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you came to my knowledge from the comedy that you wrote. Oh, the highlight. Yeah, mm. and starred in. Yeah. I can't remember how old I was. It's like, Obvi- it's like 94 or 5. So it wasn't necessarily out. obvious that you were gay, but, but did you ever not want to hide it? Or were you be open Talk about your about sexuality? Open about my sexuality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I was married to a woman, but I was sort of, you know, always bisexual, and I, I never had a boyfriend, a partner. Mm-hmm in that way and when I did the first time I did after the, the last um, girlfriend I felt I should talk about it publicly because I felt it was going to impact their lives and my family's lives mm. because you know again the press and all that stuff but it's such a weird thing that you think every time you shag a boy you don't have to do a press release do you know what I mean it's such a weird thing that suddenly <laughs> been burnt before but yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel like I've always it's been diff- it's been different I feel now, much now much more kind of a poster boy, but then that's because I'm more well known, I suppose. So I, well, it's always also been. Also, you've you know you've done a lot. I mean, you've got an OBE for for services know, to the LGBT community. You know yes, I mean? that's you've very done... important. Yes, very. I mean, that's uh, that was a great part of why I, it was very important to me that that was what it was for, mm. not just for like you know your showbiz. So yeah, I mean, I feel like you know as a and again an authentic person who's 
had various relationships. And I think it's, I always like when they talk about my past relationships and things like that, because that's what life's like. Sometimes you do it, sometimes. And, you know, I can be very vocal about the complexities of life and the complexities of Gaelic. And also that, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a very, very happy marriage, but it would not be a conventional marriage in terms of what people, uh, you know, how people perceive it yeah. in the straight world, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I actually feel the best thing about same-sex marriage <laughs> is that it will educate straight people to have better relationships. But I think <laughs> but the fact really of like, lack of monogamy in a gay, in a same-sex relationship is not, is, is, is not a, a, a break-upable offence mm. necessarily. I've got lots of friends who are like, wow, you know, it's possible that you... The idea that you're going to be with someone and just have sex with them for the rest of your life. When I got together with Grant, I was 39. I was like, I'm not going to be able to do that. I don't want to do that. And, but I'm not going to be unfaithful to you. Yes, and how I, a difference. And how right? I believe what faith and, mm. and, you know. So I think that stuff like that and the way that you can manoeuvre situations in... And the kind of fun you can have together mm. uh, with all that stuff is, is not something that happens in the straight world. It becomes all suppressed and fetishized and affairs and, yes, you know, and, yes, then, and, then, yes. and then it becomes betrayal. Yeah, yeah. And honesty is, for me, much better than oh my God, yeah. betrayal. Because you, you're married to a man, do you identify? How do you identify? Do you identify, I identify as a gay man? I would do identify as queer or bisexual. Or if people call me gay, I don't care. Mm. Uh, whatever it is. But, but I, you know, for me, I feel like it's just... There's a grey area to desire that I feel people are scared of. I don't like being boxed in. I don't like being told what I am. But I don't, I don't feel that because I'm married to a man that I can't call myself bisexual, having had relationships with women over the years. You yeah, because... And even if I didn't, I've never had a relationship with women. I think I could call myself bisexual if I desire them. And if I, you know, yeah. you you've got your cab cabaret bar, or cup is it a cabaret bar? Or is it, a it is a cabaret bar. I mean, it's, a, it's everything. It's a, it's a, it's a little dive. Did you ever go? It used to be called Eastern Block, a little gay bar in New oh, York. Oh, is it there? Yes, yeah, there. Oh, I didn't realise. Yeah, we took okay. over Eastern Block, and so it's we've got a little stage and a piano. So there's lots of performance. Absolutely, there's a drawing thing one night, and it's called Drink and Draw, hmm. and then there's uh, knitting. Hmm, night, amazing. early evening sort of things, and knitting, it's so cute, all these people come, there's a, a sort of kind of very elegant drag queen hosts it, and this hot, hot boy who's a knitting teacher, he's actually, years ago he came to my house to give me lessons, I wanted to learn to knit, and I looked him up and he's called Boy Meets Pearl, um, and oh. then there's like, um, there's a night where it's all kind of people come and sing songs, on Saturday night it's called House of Coming, and there's performances, and, and you've got this lovely sort of house trans girl called Daphne Always who I just adore and she does her own show on a Friday it's absolutely magical to me it's sort of my most proud artistic achievement that I Amazing. wanted a place to have a certain feeling and to have a certain you know energy and make sure there's a whole range of people of ages and sexualities and genders and kindness above all and mm. you know no mm. no judgment and it's fun it's sexy we have dancers we have go -go. they're called the come and go go dancers and then they're all like a big family like there's this lovely dancer called Brian who is like looks like a 70s porn star and there's a little Brazilian boy called um, Mariano who's hilarious one time we were doing we were singing we had a big sing song we were singing that Little Mermaid song you know and up where they walk up where they're and you know he goes what's the word again and he was beside me the little go, -go boy Mariano I went, I went what's the word again and he went Mariano <laughs> and so, and so, and so now every time anyone sings that song club coming <laughs> Everyone just shouts out Mariano for that part. <laughs> and those are like family moments. Totally. Because they? they become yeah. part of your like history. Absolutely. Yeah, and like the, the, the door guy and it's just, and the bar, you know, the, it's absolutely lovely. And I really, it's, it just, I just adore it. And I just love that it's something that I wanted to create and I had a chance to and it all worked. I've got so much to ask you because I want to ask you about Cabaret as well. Oh yes, of um, course. Did you always want to play the MC? No. No. First of all, no. I, when I first was asked to do it, Sam Mendes was directing it in London. And I did it because I've done it three times now. Because I did it in London, then twice on Broadway. And I did it at the Donmar in 93 slash 4, like, you know, a wee bit at the end of December 93 until March of something like that, of 94. And I was, ve I was playing Hamlet. I was about to start playing Hamlet and he asked me to. And I remember being very sniffy and judgmental. I was like, oh, I don't do musicals. No, 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 sorry, no, I don't. And I just had this weird thing about it that in some way I felt that musicals sometimes sometimes and I think this still is true in certain cases deal with subject matter 
that I feel is in some ways doing a sort of pop song about it kind of trivialises it and demeans it totally. so I'm, I was very that was my kind of attitude about it of course there are some shows like Cabaret where that is not the case and actually with a gr great production of it you can be very very striking in, in the message that you want to remind people of Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So I kind of, you know, Sam persuaded me to do it. And then I said, oh, well, if we're going to do it, I really want to make sure that it's really like that time. I want to really feel that I'm doing a, a true interpretation of what that was like in those times and try and recreate that and be gritty and and so in a way that's why the whole club of the production we did the whole club was sort of very kind of um, sexy and sort of dirty and debauched in a way that was not I, f I felt and hopefully people agree not patronizing or you know or kind of or sensational, sensational. Yeah. I mean it was sensational but in a in a good way but the thing about doing it again you know on this, this last time it's certainly been formative for me I did it when I was 28, 33, and 50. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so I, I've been, I was a very different person at all these times. And I think when I was 33, and I, it, it was just, you know, what's fascinating is I was in rehearsals and sitting at home watching telly one night, and it was the whole Monica Lewinsky uh, Clinton scandal erupted. And I remember thinking, you know, we're doing this play about sexuality and freedom and the need to embrace difference and the other and as well as being vigilant about you know extremism it would be so good to do it now in America actually I really wish with Trump and everything mm. but um, it, but there's always a time in history when it's pertinent and relevant that's mm. the that's the, the terrible thing but I remember mm. thinking what what the fuck and that's the great thing about the story now is it's amazing last amazing mm. But um, I remember thinking this thing about seeing Monica and, and, and who's now a very dear friend of mine, actually, that I remember thinking, what's this country about? Like this crazy uh, Puritanism and, and this awful kind of double standards about what's going on here. And then we were doing this big explosion of sexuality and I'm kind of like, you know, semi-clad over buses and things like that. And it was this, so it was this explosion. It really hit a, a nerve mm. in sort of American culture at that time much more so than I, than I think it did in London when we first did it and so then this time when I did it the second time in, on Broadway I actually feel it was better because the darkness of the play came through because that sensation that sort of sexy stuff people are more inured not inured but they're more used to it now it wasn't such a crazy mm. thing to see a man a sort of androgynous looking man mm. being sexual with people of both sexes and being provocative and and, and also being welcoming and kind and funny. Mm. People expect you to be mean if you're like that. Yeah. And so it was actually, a, a, it was confounding to people. No, I wanted to ask you about, because I normally, met, I mean, I get, I, I get all the time on Twitter, kids who are doing, playing the MC in their local high school production of Cabaret asking me for advice or, you know, blah, blah, blah about it. And then they send me pictures and I think, why are they letting these children dress up in this skimpy costumes? And, yeah. uh, but I just, I've never really talked to anyone who's played it in a major production before and I here's what I think about it that it I don't I sort of felt it wasn't really like a character it was like there's not really characteristics it's mm. but it's sort of a symbol a cipher a kind of you know a sort of puppeteer for yeah. for the audience and I and in a way that's why I feel I was able to do it for a long time because I'm quite an easily bored person but in a way the diff I thought the audience was like the, the actor that I played opposite most rather than the other people on stage oh my god yeah I love the manipulation mm. I think and I get easily bored and, and I've played it three times now. well you've done three now yeah I can't quit you Cabaret oh my god I can't <laughs> yeah, I know I feel but like I that. think it's like I think the reaction this time since Trump and Brexit has been way more palpable than yeah, than sure. the last two times. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I like totally. Yeah. There's such well, a climate so... of oppression actually yeah. and like how people on the extremes are just rising up. Which is what happened. Yeah. Basically. Oh, it's textbook. And it's textbook and it just feels like 
it's constantly relevant. Yeah. And I could go on forever about like, I th it basically like summarizes everything that I think is amazing about art. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's basically manipulating an audience to make them feel safe to, to then, go, then go, what are you laughing go, at? Yeah. What are you laughing at? And you can turn it on a sixpence and at them every time. And they're complicit as well. You know, yeah. it's like the joke's on you. Yeah. And I think there's something like amazing about that. And I think, People like Oscar Wilde did that, and you know, Noel Coward did that. You know, it was great. Last year, I did that tennis film, you know, Battle of the Sexes, but Billie Jean King, I have a little part in that. And I was in LA shooting it, and Don Bacardi, who's the boyfriend of Christopher Isherwood, who, and he, who's uh, still alive, and lives in the house that they lived in in Santa Monica, and I'd met a couple of times because of Cabaret, asked to paint me. So I went wow. down with Lala to, oh, Lala's my dog, we didn't mention, but she's in case we all thought she's here in the room. Sleeping. Not your imaginary friend. My imaginary friend, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we Don't went, you haven't painted Lala yet. <laughs> <laughs> I went down there to the studio and he painted me. And I was just sitting there, you know, for three hours, just like being still, thinking, wow. And there's a massive picture of Christopher Isherwood on the wall behind Dawn. There's Christopher Isherwood on the wall, Dawn looking at me, and me in this house in Santa Monica. I'm thinking, this is so fucking crazy. Like, this man I'm looking at on the wall has inadvertently changed my life in such a huge way like by doing the, the, something he wrote mm. my life completely changed and I and, and, and here I am now in the, in the room where he died because he died in that studio did it, it, was did, it did it pull you even more towards doing cabaret and doing your own songs and because I remember we met once and you were also very very kind to me because you sent me an email when a, a song of mine came out and I just thought that was so lovely because oh. very often there's a lack of generosity between artists thought, yes, and things no, that's true. and I've never forgotten it. Oh, thanks, so, Will. Thank you again Oh, you're for welcome. That. Single is still available to download. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we, were talk we met at a party, and yeah. I was dreadfully unhappy there, so I was trying to go to any party to try and find some identity to be cool. And we talked about Noel Coward. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were going you, about to go and do had, the Vortex. I was about to do the Vortex, or I had done it. I had done it. Uh. And you were a big fan, or are a big fan of Noel Coward yeah. as well. So it had always been a, those kind of performers who I think are very subversive very. and from Oscar Wilde through to the person that wrote Coronation Street you know it's about being mainstream but also like you attack them through the mainstream basically Absolutely. almost like mm. while they're sleeping yes there's still room to do that is it I, still think, I really do think there is and especially in America I think because I think also if you're you know European I speak, I say much more than most sort of well-known people in, in America say. I, I dare to, you know, I don't, it's not about daring. I just, I just who I am and I just say what I think because I don't mm. see why I shouldn't. But there's a sort of whole code there of not, you know, nobody's, it's, it's rare actually for people to speak out. And I think it's so bizarre when you get asked in the sort of celebrity culture to, for your opinion on all these banal things, <laughs> like somebody's new haircut or the, you know, what do you think this year's fashion trends are going to be? As it shoes. Yes! <laughs> and it's you the know, joke bags. because people aren't even getting it. They don't get it. it. They don't yeah. get it. But you but don't do it in a mean way. No, I am always no. kind. And I think you can be, you can, you have more power and more power to change people and hopefully in a good way by being subversive in your own way, by introducing people to certain things in the mainstream. That's mm. why, that's the place I find myself. Totally. And, and I think, and like, you know, I'm about to do this TV show, but I will be the, it's the first ever network drama on American television to have a gay character as the lead. I'm so And although that. that's like a and terrible thing. You're a detective, aren't you? I'm, a, I'm sort of a, yes, I work with, I'm like a, a, a pharmacy, <laughs> pharmacy spy who's now a professor, but now a detective from the NYPD comes to ask him to join her. So I'm a consultant. We were talking, weirdly, about a gay detective about a series, and I didn't know that you'd done it. As uh, in like, wouldn't it be great? Well, yeah, so it's, so a, it's, it's amazing. the first thing ever, first time ever. It's and it's also, I mean, and that, when you think, like, why hasn't that happened? It's because, you know, it's a CBS, it's, CBS, it's a, a network, a major network. So CBS is kind of like ITV in England, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. you like totally, you know, CSI, all those things with initials, uh, you know, it's all <laughs> things, you know, it's those things. <laughs> MFI. MFI, BMQ. BMQ. <laughs> MDF. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and like when it tested, like I'm an executive producer, so I get I privy to all this <laughs> really bizarre information. But they test it in these places in Las Vegas, because apparently Las Vegas is the bet, you know, this is, you get most of the kind of mix of America. Yeah. And it went down when it was the scenes with me and my husband. Mm. So basically the least popular part of my show is the is stuff about the gay content or the same sex marriage. And yet why is that? Because they've never seen it before. Because they yeah, don't, yeah, they're, yeah. they're uncomfortable with it. Because so you, that's what you've got to do is expose people and make them not scared. Mm. And I think that's what's really interesting about America right now. People 
are sca- were scared, and along comes Trump and, and allows them to give vent to their fears. So how do you do that without sort of homogenizing and normalizing things that, because I used to think, you know, in EastEnders you'd have a gay story, let's say, yeah. but they'd sort of try and be it like, it's okay, gays are like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So how do you sort of well that balance? I mean... Is it, is it the context of it? it? It's again, it's a network TV show. I've got a husband, we're, we're very, it's actually a lovely relationship, but it's a, it's a, it's a healthy, uh, happy marriage between two men. And I think that in itself is a hugely subversive act in America right now, sadly. Yes. But, you know, to see that. So, but it's also, I mean, it's, it's also, they are very kind of, you know, normative, heteronormative. They are. That's just the, the, way, the life they have. It's not necessarily the life I have or, you know, certainly not. I don't think my character, Dylan, would ever be at Club Coming, for example. <laughs> he wouldn't be, you know, spanking Mariano's ass or anything yeah. like that. So I, I think it's, so it's horses like human, for courses. Human. And it's also like, I think, yeah, you just have mm. to it's show, like I've got this movie coming out where I play this man who was like involved in ACT UP during the time of AIDS and he's very trapped in that time and angry about, you know, young people. Then he has this affair with this young guy. And it was actually, so I, I think, you know, that's more, I deal with that part yes, of my yes, yes, yes. my feelings and my beliefs there, and yes, I'm very yes, happy yes. to be in a to be in this show that does that. So you know, it's also hilarious when I it was on this in this film festival in San Francisco on on Gay Pride Weekend in San Francisco at the Castro Theatre. It was like an explosion of gayness, mm. and um, in the film I have really intense sex with this younger guy, like mm. pounding with my hat, like with my hand over his mouth while someone else is in the room asleep and several kind of and then we talked about really you know dirty S&M it's, it's, it's a lot and um, this is not the CBS show it's not the CBS show <laughs> this is called After Louis yeah. but my uh, in San Francisco my mum and my mother-in-law were in the audience and it was just like my mum's seen a lot of things obviously over the years but it was the combination of the two of them and like there I am sitting next to her son and I'm <laughs> Pounding this twenty-two-year-old and on screen, oh, it was shit. just naked. It was just, and then afterwards, what was so funny was my mum was like, "Oh, it's a very good film, darling. Very good message. Everyone should see this very important message." And Grant's mum was like, "I love the sex scenes. I yeah. love the sex scenes." I'm like, really? "What?" And she was overcompensating, but she told me right. how much. And yeah. she went up to Zach, the boy that's my the one I'm shagging in it. And I could see him on the dance floor, and she and she comes up, and he's chatting, and and then suddenly his face fell <laughs> because he's being told by this eighty-year-old how much she loved seeing him getting pounded by her son-in-law. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Showbiz. I really want to ask about your dad, because you, mm. you've spoken about your dad and how that was growing up. Yeah, I wrote a book. And then and you did Who Do You Think You Are? Well, I, that's why I wrote the book, actually. From that? Yes, because uh, it's around that process, isn't it? Yeah, so I wrote, so basically I was doing Who Do You Think You Are? And I found out, they did it about my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, Tommy. and I found out, Tommy Darling, yeah. yeah. And he'd always been this mystery person in, in our family. And ironically, what happened was I, I'd done an interview. I, you know, I hadn't seen my dad for nearly two decades. And then um, I found out via my mom that and she'd found out that he had, he had cancer. And so then I was doing an interview about something. And it was like the health and fitness section of some, of a, of some English newspaper. And I was talking about that. And I was talking about how weird it is when suddenly in your life you find out something you think oh now I'm I actually should probably check tell my doctor that I might be prone to this type of cancer blah blah blah, blah. Mm. and a Scottish newspaper went picked that up and went to my dad and were seeking him out to say what did he think about me saying the fact that he had cancer and blah 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 and so that happened right when I was about to start filming who do you think you are and my dad knew I was doing Who Do You Think You Are because they asked if they could interview him because they asked loads of your family to do it, you know. Did and you I want said, them to interview him? I said, I don't mind if you interview him, but I don't want him in the show. Right. So he knew I was doing it. And then a, a reporter was coming to his house. And so then he thought the reporter was, had found out about this secret and it was going to come out in the filming of Who Do You Think You Are, which was that my father then told me the night before I started filming it that I was not his biological son. So that was like the start of this thing, this whole filming period for me, I'm just in this state of utter shock and my whole life was turned upside down. And then I find out about this man that I never knew, my granddad, who I felt very connected to and he's very, you know, we have very similar traits in some ways. And he, I discovered, died playing Russian roulette in Malaysia. (laughs) So it was just insane.
And so, Ooh. and then during, so during the course of that time, I'm dealing with my father and doing all this. And I'm, and I, I mean, what, it's kind of funny about it is that I realized my father was mentally ill, right? I just, so much, he was so awful and violent and abusive. But then for this thing for him to bring up, because it wasn't true, I had a DNA test and I, I was his son. But he had made this up in his, he had made it true for him. And we all do that, you know, we all do. Mostly I do, like, I did not sleep with that person. I'm just going to pretend that didn't happen, you know, <laughs> or whatever, you know. But he made it about my life. Mm. And there's other things as well, you know, there's other, really, he had some personality disorders, or at least. And mm. so I've got kind of mental illness on, and my grandfather was obviously damaged. So I have mental illness on both sides of my family, mm. <laughs> which is kind of, you know, I feel I've dipped into it a little bit and, you know, that uh, and came out the other side. And I always feel it's neat. I think actually it's quite good to think everyone's kind of got mental illness in their family. There's always yeah. some crazy auntie. So we've always got that potential. But actually to embrace it and to think, you know, well, I could quite easily go under. Yeah, well, you know, how did you not you, go under then? How have you not gone over, under? Over well, I did go under. I was... It was because of my dad, because I was st suddenly starting to, I was starting to remember things. I was trying to become a father of my ex-wife and that brought up a whole lot of things about my dad. And it was because of them doing Hamlet and that was just being this mindfuck and being exhausted. And, and my ex-wife was playing Ophelia and that was a really, really crazy thing. Oh, and, fucking hell. And then, and then, you know, then I started doing cabaret and there was just a whole lot of weird stuff going on. But with this burgeoning thing of me suddenly not knowing what was wrong, but having these big bouts of depression and, and also suddenly having these flashes of remembering things and these repressed memories. And so that's... So tra that trauma. Trauma, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, PTSD, like, I feel that my grandfather definitely had, and that's why. So I kind of did go under for, you know, a good part of a year. And I went away, I went away and kind of, like, hid and sort of got myself together and, and then embraced the whole thing with my father and talked about it and remembered things with my brother and confronted my father actually my, my brother and I went to are you pleased him. are you pleased that you've done that yeah I really am and I'm pleased like this thing happened about him saying that to me that I wasn't his son because I was able to I never I didn't see him during that time but I, I actually was able to tell him that I was his son and to kind of you know tell him what I thought of him for being such a coward about never having broached it and for having he chose to believe it. he kept saying he actually said to me which is hilarious did you not notice that we never bonded i was like yes i did <laughs> and and then like he said i had to believe it i had to believe it and i went no you chose to believe it he had this elaborate story mm. and, and i but anyway, i did i did the fact that i was able to i i had a conversation with my father i said this is the last time i'll ever speak to you mm. and i and it was is that empowering the, yeah and also think what's been empowering is that writing my book which was a very terrifying thing because I was so worried about my, how my mum and my brother would deal with it and how just how people would, I mean, it's kind of a huge thing to, if you know me and you know I'm kind of like cheeky chappy and all of a sudden I'm saying I was fucking abused mm. big time. Mm. And I just was, obviously it was a big thing to do, but also just my perception, the whole thing was really, a, but, but what is the most amazing thing and the most empowering thing is that so many people, all the time still, I, you know, it's been a few years now, but still on, 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 on Twitter and things, people write to me about how me speaking out about it has made them able to deal with things in their family yeah. and giving them the confidence. And it's been such a positive thing for a lot of people. I didn't think about that, but it's the best thing about it. So I do feel incredibly empowered by that. Yeah, and I found it very helpful reading your book because I had a, my dad was a lovely guy, but like relationships with fathers are weird. And yeah. It was really helpful because seeing you be able to say to your dad, go to your dad and say, I didn't like what you did to me and you need to own that and mm, all those take things. It back. On one way, it's just a series of words, but I imagine it must have been transformative for you to be totally. able to just address it. And people, more people will do it because of what you did. And that's extraordinary. Right, see the, yes, the, but it is terrifying. Yeah. I mean, that was, it was oh. I, I was so scared. Yeah, I so don't even scared. know how the words came out of your mouth because I had, to, just, I had, I had a piece of paper. Good. I, wrote it, I wrote it all down. And my brother afterwards, when we were driving away, he went, oh, you were great, Alan. You didn't look at, you hardly looked at the script at all. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> sweet. I know. Yeah. People just don't, didn't, and still don't communicate, you know? And I think this, I found it kind of fascinating when I first went to America and I would come back here and everyone was like, oh, is everyone hmm. talking all the time about their problems? Mm. And, you know, and, and <laughs> this, like, that's a bad thing, you know? Like, <laughs> and, and I think there is, it's mm -hmm. easy to make fun of that sort of, 
everyone's got a shrink uh, culture but it's a really healthy thing to do so it's like I going to the, I think it's like going to the gym for your mind oh my totally. god yeah. and I think it's really important you don't have to have problems to go to the, it's just really important to do it and, and also you cause other people less problems because exactly. you stop offloading your crap on other like people just, yeah, you're, yeah. Well, and also the people who, who are I always think it's better to have an outside person eventually I think you know you should change your therapist because eventually they become part of like your Dialogue. circle yeah mm. and you actually I'm well, Two on your side, maybe. So Yes. Always protecting you and not being challenging enough. And do you find that also you start to filter like you do with a friend? Sometimes I just will give a slightly false history of how something went. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's you're doing that because, you know, you're here to be vulnerable and say, yeah. actually, I was really angry and jealous and blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. But I, I, I got a woman this time because I felt like I wanted to have not, I didn't want to have a man in that I would have weird daddy issues or that I would... Mm charm in a way that I know uh, you know or not that I can't charm women oh, but, well be aware of charm to, yeah but yeah because I would just I, and I remember saying to the man the last man one I'm like I'm going to I'll, I'll be charming and I really worry that I'm going to just not get to the bottom of this because I'll be just charming mm. you and, well, although I, I do think I, there is a thing I, that people I, fall I, in love with their therapists it's very or you know have really not a, with um, but like <laughs> I bought <laughs> Tiffany earrings and then she retired um, I, <laughs> she's old enough. No, I, people get furious when their, their therapist retires or dies. Like someone I know, their therapist, their therapist died, <laughs> and they were just incandescent with rage. I was like, he fucking died, and she's like, I know, but I, I was just in the middle of a really important breakthrough. <laughs> um, are you going to have kids? No, no, I did. I used to want to be. I mean, you know, as I said earlier, I was trying to be a father, and with se several you know, people, I sort of thought about it and was talking about adoption and blah blah blah. But I just kind of, you know, with Grant, who's the person who's the best, you know the best relationship I've ever had in terms of well, the best relationship I've ever had in, in all terms but you know I would want to, I think this would be the time if I was going to have a child and stable and someone that I really think would be a great uh, I don't want to we both don't we both came to the decision I think I got older I got older and I got happy or content mm. and I feel I don't want to change my life I don't want my life to be turned upside down by a child mm. Mm. I just feel happy and I want to just live the life I, I like to keep going like this and I got my child yeah where is sitting. she where'd you go Lala. Lala Alan thank you yeah oh, thank you boys this was really amazing. lovely so here she is hi Lala it was really really fun and Lala liked it you got a little lie down didn't you wasn't that amazing I love him. I would love to hear what people think about Alan. You can contact us at hello at homosapienspodcast.com. I know this. Uh, tweet at Will Young with a hashtag homosapiens. Yeah, good. Mm. Well done. I'm not reading it from a sheet. No, not at all. Hey, William, also Alan's new show is called Instinct, the CBS detective show, and it's out in March. I don't know how we get it over here. But for all our American listeners, you know, Michelle, Obama will obviously want to download yeah. it. So I'm just doing it for you, really, Michelle. Yeah. Um, and Sigourney. And, Sigour and Sigourney. And um, we've recovered. Yeah. I hope they gave you your baby back. I don't think it was her baby, was it? It was her baby. She got inseminated. Is that right? But she what? got inseminated by an alien. And then she's got superhuman powers. The baby does. Probably both. The baby's an alien. It's very complicated. Did you ever watch My Stepmom's an Alien? <laughs> that was a great film. Absolutely great film. Do you know what else was on this week, which I love? Clueless. Clueless. Life-changing. Oh, hang on. Isn't there someone from Clueless that's running for senator? Uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, my brother told me this, so it could be wrong. Um, who, okay, so Clueless Mitt Romney is running for senator. No, Stacey mm. Dash. Stacey Dash is running for senator. So she is the, um, she's Cher's best friend. <gasps> Such a cool thing this week. Have you seen? They've reinvented big film posters, but made all the protagonists black instead of white. Have you seen it? Love it. It's sort of a response to how Black Panther has done so well and made everyone realise everything is so white focused. Anyway, it's all like these posters like Bridget Jones, but with a black lead actor and Titanic with two black lead actors and stuff. And it just says, if you're surprised, it means you don't see enough black people in major roles. Yes. What's coming up for me when I'm seeing these film posters is... Why aren't I in that poster? <laughs> is, is I'm thinking of films that I have seen with the main protagonists being black and they are about American history, slavery, yes. being in Harlem in New York mm. or the East End in London, you know, they're, they're all those kind of films. Yeah. So actually 
me seeing that, I'm, it's making me realise that I don't see enough black actors in films mm. at all. Or if there are, they're based on very particular stereotypes. I worked with an actor called Hamza in my short film and he said, as a British Asian, he said getting sent this script, which was just about a gay couple, he said getting sent this script was like, I never get sent stuff like this. He said, I'm always just sent stuff, which is me as a terrorist. No. Yeah. Oh, also good news on Everybody Loves Jamie, that musical that you loved that I have yet to see. It won literally everything at the What's On Stage Awards last Did week. It? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And that is so great because it will pave the way for more LGBT stories. It's time to say goodbye. Thank you to uh, all our listeners. Thank you to you, Chris. I'd like to thank the Academy. Please get in touch. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Final song. Oh, he's feeling it. Homo, homo sapiens, homo sapiens, <laughs> homo sapiens. Oh, it's good for voice That today. is good. Um, what song is that? Ch-ch-ch-changes. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want me to do another one? No, no, it's good. Homo, homo sapiens, homo sapiens, homo sapiens. Homo, it's going to go on for three minutes. Sapiens. 